Hello, I'm Michael D.J. Eisenberg. I'm the Tech Savvy Lawyer, blogging at the techsavvylawyer.page and host of the techsavvylawyer.page podcast. In this podcast series, I'll be interviewing lawyers, judges, and others in the area of law to talk about where they see lawyers, new and seasoned, taking advantage of technology in their legal work and how all lawyers can utilize technology to better their practice, improve their services to their clients, and enhance their own lives. The podcast will probably stay focused, asking each guest three questions and asking the guests to provide their top three best answers for each question asked. There is no right or wrong answer, as each tip may or may not be the right one for you. But it may springboard an idea for you, and along the way, you may learn something new. My next guest is Tom West. Tom is a career growth business leader, having led multiple businesses as CEO and president, as chief executive officer at LawPay. He's responsible for guiding all channels and leading all strategic operating and organizational processes for the company. Tom is passionate about transforming the way legal professionals are paid and believes strongly in the role technology can play in transforming the client experience. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. What is your current tech setup? Well, I am. Uh, I spent 10 years working at Dell, uh, and so I became a PC fan then and continue to be a PC user uh, to this day. So I, I use... Uh, um, Dell laptops uh, primarily um, at the high end. And then uh, um, from a uh, mobile perspective, though, I've converted uh, entirely to Apple. I think I made the BlackBerry to uh, iPhone switch back in 2008 and haven't looked back. Excellent. And do you use any uh, tablets? Yeah, we we use i we have iPads around the house. Although I will say I don't use those for, as much for work. It's really more for um, personal and and uh, fun things that that I'm doing. Are there any software platforms that you like? Well, we we certainly have. Uh, we're at Google Shop, and so uh, we use the Google Suite um, quite a bit. We use uh, the Microsoft Suite. Um, in, in prior roles that I've really uh, enjoyed. And, you know, of course, uh, in today's world, becoming a big fan of, of Zoom meetings. Well, I assume in your area of work that you deal with a lot of PDF documents. Do you have any particular PDF readers that you prefer or um, PDF programs to, manip to manipulate the documents? Well, certainly uh, Adobe, the Adobe suite is what we'll typically use. And I think it's really good and standard um, so that's really uh, what we use. We, we tend to, uh, I'm a sales and marketing driven leader and so I've come up through those, those ranks and um, Adobe, Adobe tool sets are just kind of the core of what people are using. Cool. Well, so let's get on to the first question. Number one, how do companies like LawPay help attorneys pivot with their use of technology in this COVID era? It's a, it's a big question. There's certainly been um, a massive shift in the need for uh, remote payment capabilities. Um, we've seen a, a significant increase in signups for law pay uh, just because folks don't want to go into the office and collect a paper check. Uh, it's really has changed the way that a lot of firms, even the largest firms, are thinking about um, getting paid. And so, uh, so we've seen a pretty big migration to the cloud and paperless uh, billing and uh, collections processes. Well, so for the listener along this line, can you 
discuss what LawPay does as compared to other banks? Sure. Yeah, it's a it, it, LawPay has really been designed from the ground up to help lawyers uh, be able to shift more away from the paper check and to electronic payments. And so it's a software-based platform that allows you to accept both uh, credit cards, debit cards, as well as uh, electronic checks. And you know how it tends to differ from the bank's software is that bank software is not at all built for lawyers. It's built for generic uh, uh, solutions. And um, it's not integrated with any of the legal software that a lot of lawyers like to use or the legal workflow and um, nor is it IOLTA compliant. Uh, and I think those are elements that make LawPay really powerful as a tool in the, the toolbox of the modern lawyer today. Well, can you share with us possibly two other ways that LawPay and other companies like yourself uh, are helping attorneys pivot during this time? Sure, sure. Well, I think uh, I'll, I'll describe a little bit more of LawPay and then I'll share some of the other things that we're seeing uh, in the legal landscape in terms of really what I would view as an acceleration of digital transformation. Um, because I think, I think law, law pay tends to start out or you tend to start out thinking about it just as electronic payments, which is great. Uh, and it does enable the acceptance of those solutions. But I think what, what has really been exciting is it goes so much further than that. Once you, once you start to realize the power of electronic payments to be able to set up different billing models, scheduled payments ahead of time to be able to um, help uh, with collections and accelerate uh, cash flow. We've seen many lawyers who have 90, 120 days of receivables um, you know, their first day with law pay, they put out payment links uh, across the board and they bring in maybe a month to two months worth of receivables uh, within the, you know, the first week. Um, one, of the, one of the most powerful stats is that 57% of our payment links are collected same day uh, and over 80% in the same week. Um, which, you know, compared to the traditional collections process uh, of chasing paper checks is, is night and day uh, for a lot of lawyers. And so, you know, not only is it uh, eliminating a lot of time spent uh, chasing, but um, it's bringing in cash flow to help cover if there are any COVID-related um, hiccups in the business um, it's, it's been able to bring cash in for a number of our, our clients. So if I hear you correctly, you're saying that it's bringing cash in, but at a faster ba uh, in a faster means. That's right. But when you say collections, every time I hear collections, I think of, well, someone owes me money and they're way past due. Is there anything about law pay or how it may integrate with other software, um, programs to help with past due collections? Yeah, a lot, quite a bit. In fact, it's one of the main use cases um, for uh, law firms. A lot of times, uh, there's uh, the customer has the intent to pay, or the client has the intent to pay, just doesn't have the funding. And so, you know, maybe they can't pay you the ten thousand dollars they owe you now, 
but they could put a thousand dollars a month on their credit card for the next 10 months. And so set up a scheduled payment, fix it and forget it on both sides and, and, you know, count that, that, uh, uh, long dated receivable as collected and, and, and both sides can move on. And I think we're seeing more and more uses where, uh, really it's about taking the friction out of the payment experience. Um, there's a lot of work involved in printing out a paper or PDF invoice, saving it, taking it home and, and you know, writing a paper check and then sending it back in the mail and then the, the, the law firm having to go to the office and collect that check and deposit it uh, in their account. I mean, the, the, the ability to eliminate all of that friction um, is massive. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I regularly uh, have, have each year take a poll of our interns and talk to them about, um, you know, their their use of electronic payments. And um, this year was pretty incredible because all ten of our interns, none of them uh, have ever had a uh, ever had their own checkbook, so zero out of ten. And then even further. Um, zero out of 10 have ever written a paper check. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty... <laughs> I feel old now, but... I know, I'm there with you. I am there with you. But, but that's our next generation of, of customer. And, and, you know, that's kind of, that is their expectation. This is the Amazon generation that's used to being able to press a button and pay. And, and I think that's one of the key things to um, really helping modernize uh, today's legal practices. Well, I just recorded a uh, podcast with Maddie Martin over at Smith AI. Oh, yeah, sure. And she's going to, uh, she'll be posted uh, before this episode. And she and I talked about how, with the non-disclosure agreements they have, how they can use, the, their substance can use um, links to law pay and other companies like yourself to collect payment from clients in order to get rid of that friction point, um, friction point, as you discussed. Yeah, I do think a lot of the, the you know, both uh, people-driven receptionists and, 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 and technology-driven uh, scheduling uh, tools are really powerful in today's world. Um, you know, I think both on both the client side as well as the firm side, you know, your ability to be able to frictionlessly set up an appointment, pay for the appointment um, is a win on both sides of that equation. And I think you're always looking for customer experience improvements. And, you know, Smith AI is, is a good example of that in this environment where they're able to get, get the lawyer and the client connected, collect payment. And so the lawyer uh, can focus on really doing what, what he or she does best, which is serving the client. So I, I think I got two thoughts from you. Do you have a third on, on our first question? Yeah, I, I think the, the, you know, we're seeing, we are seeing changes in the way technology is used across law firms and it goes way beyond payments. I think payments is one of the, one of the pieces of the equation, but you know, I talked about scheduling tools and your ability to get scheduling tools in place. I think uh, e-signature and the shift that is being created with e-signature in today's environment and many states having uh, executive orders that are saying e-signatures are now 
permitted across the board to allow for more virtual practices. Uh, and of course, you know, Zoom and other um, uh, virtual meeting platforms have been phenomenal because they've really opened up the practice of law. It's, it's no longer a nine to five, let's, um, we've got to meet in the office and, um, or we've got to meet at the courthouse at these exact scheduled times. It's now something where there's just so much more flexibility because lawyers are busy people and, and, and their clients are equally busy. And so, so being able to schedule something after you put the kids to bed or you're, you're you know, early in the morning or when someone's you know, not in the same location, that's pretty powerful. And that, you know, my hope and belief is that a lot of the lessons learned from that um, are going to continue uh, post the COVID era. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I appreciate those thoughts. So let's move on to the second question. Uh, based on your observations, what three areas of tech are attorneys underutilizing with their security? Well, I think you know, security is another important area because I, you know, we see it all the time. There's a tremendous amount of fraud um, uh, in the legal payment space. And so um, certainly working with a provider that is uh, reputable and has a has a scalable uh, security solution is I think very important but but beyond that I think there's really simple things uh, it's about how secure is your document sharing how secure are the passwords and using password protection or you know multi-factor login ID I mean these are really relatively easy um, tools to buy. They're all almost all cloud-based uh, out there uh, where you can buy them by the drop and they allow you to really be more secure. I, I think the biggest thing that's happening in the legal space and, 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 and clearly COVID is contributing to it is the migration to the cloud. And, and, and I think this is actually a great thing uh, for security uh, within lawyers because doing things on your own server where you're responsible for the backup, where you're responsible for all the security parameters and the firewalls and the virus protection, uh, it's just, it's too much. And the average lawyer is just not trained on being a technologist. Um, I think that's why your, your podcast is so val uh, valuable is that it recognizes that and tries to bring simple tips. And so that just that simple migration to the cloud and starting to trust a professional uh, provider, cloud-based provider with your data and information and backing it up, I think will be um, a massive move forward in kind of the overall security of the legal industry. Well, you know, it's funny, uh, one of our, our prior guests uh, was pretty much uh, doesn't trust the cloud uh, insists on running his own server, uh, but I, I think is a little bit more tech apt than say the common lawyer. Yes. You know, again, it's, it's about, you know, lawyers. And I think this comes in the highlight with companies like yourself, like law pay lawyers aren't accountants and lawyers aren't computer experts and lawyers aren't doctors. They are lawyers and that's what they want to do and focus on. They don't want to be a collections agent trying to get out and find out why this client hasn't paid them yet or where's their money. Um, but, you know, along these lines, we talked we talk about security and this kind of brings me back to something that you and I talked about earlier 
uh, before we started the podcast today, that you know security also means that they got to make sure their their IOLTA, their trust accounts are secure. And I just don't understand why banks don't seem to have a handle on how to hand how to properly handle trust accounts. Well, it's complex. It's it, it really. Uh, I, I came from outside the payments industry, and so I've only been in in the payment space for the last couple of years. And I was surprised at how complex it really is. And and most of these platforms that you know I, that you have heard of, whether it's your banking uh, payment platform or um, your or a PayPal or uh, a Square, uh, are they're built for every business. Uh, and they just don't have the resources, the capabilities to focus on uh, a small market like legal and really solve the problems that are necessary. And as, as uh, you and I know, IOLTA is critical. It's the number one reason for disbarment in the, in the country and you need to handle it right. I mean, most of these solutions they, they are non-compliant out of the gate because they're doing something called daily discounting, which means they're taking the fees out of the IOLTA deposit uh, when it's coming in. And so it's up to the lawyer uh, or, or the lawyer's bookkeeper perhaps to have to top off those accounts and put those fees back or else they're out of compliance uh, immediately. And I think one of the keys to being IOLTA compliant is to recognize that and never touch the trust accounts. If $1,000 is provided in the trust deposit, $1,000 gets deposited into the account and it's never touched. Um, and that's, that's really a key tenant that um, certainly LawPay was built on and why all 50 state bars uh, in, and as well as the ABA endorse LawPay as the solution uh, when you're accepting electronic payments versus the bank or some of those other generic solutions I was talking about. You, you for, forgive my naivete. It just seems that it's a fairly simple thing to do to, you know, hold, you know, maybe flip a couple switches, if you will, or just change the programming ever so slightly so that you only withdraw the fees from the operating account while they're collecting the trust account. This, those, the systems just aren't built that way, unfortunately. They're architected to take the money right out of the gate. I mean, one of the things that uh, essentially is happening from LawPay's perspective is that by putting the $1,000 in and not taking the fees up front uh, and then charging the operating account later, we are essentially loaning money to that law firm. And we were we are covering the float of those fees uh, over whatever time period that is until the next billing cycle, and and most most uh, of those uh, companies that we're talking about they're just not built for that, and 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 frankly they don't want to take the risk and they don't understand the practice of law, and and I think that's that's what's different about being a specialty solution where all we focus in on his professional services. Well, let's move on to our last question. Uh, what areas of tech do attorneys need to be prepared for post COVID? Well, I do think a lot of it is gonna come down to, you know, how can they scale their operations? Um, you know, some of the data 
that we see in today's world is, is pretty, pretty alarming in the sense that uh, lawyers today are getting paid for only a roughly one out of every five hours worked. And that's just a totally inefficient system. And I, and I, think, I think technology can be a big part of that solution to help make them more efficient throughout every aspect of their operation. Um, you know, I hired a lawyer um, a little over a year ago now that uh, on, on a deal we were working on and you know, the, we must have gone back and forth with PDF changes to the uh, original uh, agreement, um, retainer agreement, six times. And it's kind of, why, why do we not have electronic signatures and why are we not doing this electronically? That's a waste of, of both of our times in that whole process. And I, th I think they're very simple steps that um, law firms are going to be able to make that you know, if, if you're not doing uh, automated scheduling, you should be doing it. If you don't have document sharing, you should have document uh, sharing. If you don't have electronic signatures, that's a, I think that's a thing that's gonna come out. I, obviously, we talked about the, the, the Zoom conference and the power of virtual meetings. Um, as, you see, as you see courts now starting to embrace it, where courts are now doing uh, things as, as complex as jury uh, selection through Zoom, and, and it's working. And, and so I think, I think the, the lawyers that will be the winners in the future will be the ones who can build their client experience around these relatively simple technologies in order to much more effectively scale their operations so they're less reliant on kind of the traditional concept of the billable hour and uh, much more focused on value-driven billing based on what they're able to uh, solve for their clients. Uh, and I think in the end, uh, the, the economic benefit to the, to the attorney and their firm will be dramatic if they're able to sort of shift out of that world and take time that was spent doing administrative, less valuable tasks and move it into time that is really solving the problem of that particular matter. Well, you know, you talk about cost benefit and, you know, post COVID, it seems that I think attorneys, uh, the, the medium and larger firms are going to realize that, you know, remote working and working from home uh, are going to be uh, a way to really significantly costs. Is there anything from your perspective that you think that they should be aware of um, regarding their tech and security by working from home? Well, I do think that is important. And I, I do think, again, that's where a cloud-based provider matters. I mean, you can certainly work in the, in the VPN uh, world, but I think that's a lot harder to have these open communications. And so, you know, my, my advice to them is work with trusted providers, uh, whether it's practice management or, um, you know, some of these point tools that we've been talking about. Um, the, the industry leaders 
have spent a significant amount of effort securing the data. I know from our perspective, we're what's called level one PCI compliant, which means we have very deep um, security uh, procedures and we are tested by third party uh, agencies that come in and do deep audits um, as required by the credit card brands in order to achieve uh, that designation. And, you know, we are tokenizing uh, credit card information and all the consumer information uh, in, in order to make sure that we're protecting it from theft or from any malicious uh, uses. Uh, and, 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 and the key of those solutions, uh, what I think is most powerful is that um, they take the law firm themselves out of the scope of wrongdoing. As long as, as long as the lawyer is not writing credit card information down on a, uh, on a piece of paper and then uh, typing it in a system or keeping it in a file, a paper file, you know, that, that liability shifts to the cloud-based provider. And I think, I think that's a key step for them in the process as um, you know, you're trying to work remotely. Because that, that's the beauty of working remotely is you can work from anywhere, mm-hmm. um, but you just you need your tools to be able to support um, that virtual model and you need your customers to be able to a- access um, you know, the, port- the client portal or however you set up the document sharing uh, with them in a way that is you know, client uh, friendly as well. Well, let me ask you sort of like the, to pull the third answer out of you from the th- last question. Um, if there was one tech no-no, if you will, if there's one thing that all attorneys should not be doing when working from home, when working remotely, what do you think that would be? I, I do think that that is, I, you know, I, I would go back to the basics on that. And I think that's about password protection. Um, I, I would say that, that, you know, when we, when we work from home and we're using these cloud-based tools, mm-hmm. the, the scariest thing would be to have someone be able to identify and get into our account uh, through uh, malicious use of a, or discovery of your password in some way. And, and so I think having tools that are, um, you know, we, I happen to be a fan of Dashline, but, you know, there, there are lots of other uh, good password protection tools that allow you to have highly uh, um, protectable passwords and updated on a frequent basis. I, I think that's a really basic thing that, um, you know, mo- most, most people when they're, when they're kind of working on their own and cer- certainly in that virtual environment might think it's okay just to, uh, you know, use their kids' uh, birthday and uh, home address as part of their uh, their password. But those are the things that I think are the no-no that I would I would at least start with. Yeah, I, I did a presentation last year to the DC bar and I came across the top 10 uh, wrong passwords, if you will, for 2019. <laughs> okay, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you and I'll, I'll be sure to post the, uh, the, the slide that I made. And it was like, you know, one was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Another was uh, password. And, you know, it was, just like, uh, it was really stupid stuff. But that's happening out there. And, and, I, and, and yeah. People are still using their birthdays. And 
the thing that drives me nuts is when people are like at coffee shops and they don't use a VPN, a virtual private network to uh, protect their data or, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you would never think of like leaving your laptop or your phone on the table while you went to the restroom or went to make an order. And now everyone does that uh, and say, hey, the neighbor who they don't know, you might keeping an eye on it. And they don't bother to like, you know, log out or close the screen. I'm just like, it's, you know, it, it's just bar complaints waiting to happen. Well, that's, yeah, that's so. I think that that's very good advice. Those are some basics that you know, as you're working. Common sense. Yeah, it, it, it's common sense, but it, but at another level, you know, I I I think we saw we and are still seeing a lot of panic in the legal community related to so much change coming down the pike all at once. Uh, and when you're when you're adjusting to that much change, I think you can tend to forget some of those basics. So I think reminding folks that it's it's good to have a uh, a password manager that can help you know, you protect the, your cloud information I think is really important. I I agree. I happen to be personally a fan of One Password, and I know uh, One Password Dashline and several out there that are all good. And if you haven't invented invested in one, you should now. One thing about those password programs is that they're great password generators yes for sure yeah you got to trust them to do it and you know with the symbols the numbers and the letters caps and you know uncommon phrases it, it really does help but tom i want to thank you for being a guest on our podcast today tell uh, tell the listener where they can find you uh f- feel free to uh reach out to me through linkedin uh it's thomas m west or uh, uh ceo at at LawPay on on twitter and um, or directly at uh, tom at lawpay.com uh, if you'd like to, uh, to kind of reach out. You know, we, uh, we're always looking for new ideas on how we can help uh, the legal profession. Uh, our mission is to transform the way uh, legal professionals are paid. And so um, ideas you have uh, for how we can help improve the uh, law pay uh, product. We're always, always open. Excellent. Well, Tom, again, thank you. All right, Michael, enjoy it. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Tech Savvy Lawyer Page podcast. I hope you enjoy yourself, learn something new, and we'll come back in about two Tuesdays for another podcast. If you have any ideas about the presentation, questions about what we discussed today, or ideas for future episodes, please leave comments on the blog or email me directly at michaeldj at the Have a great day and happy lawyering.